Today, we will be reading from Luke 12, verses 35 through 48. Be dressed, ready for service, and keep your lamps burning, like servants waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet, so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he will dress himself to serve, will have them recline at the table, and will come and wait on them. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them ready, even if he comes in the middle of the night or toward daybreak. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You must also be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Peter asked the Lord, Lord, are you telling this parable to us or to everyone? The Lord answered, Who then is the faithful and wise manager, whom the master puts in charge of his servants to give them their food allowance at the proper time? It will be good for that servant whom whom the master finds doing so when he returns. Truly, I tell you, he will put him in charge of all of his possessions. But suppose the servant says to himself, My master is taking a long time in coming. And he then begins to beat the other servants, both men and women, and to eat and drink and get drunk. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour he is not aware of. He will cut him into pieces and assign him a place with the unbelievers. The servant who knows the master's will and does not get ready or does not do what the master wants will be beaten with many blows. But the one who does not know these things and does these things deserving punishment will be beaten with few blows. From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. Hi, friends. Today, uh, we finish a four-week mini-series that we pulled from Luke chapter 12, and we've called it Treasure Maps. And during our Treasure Map series, we've been hearing a few things that Jesus says about money and about our stuff. A few summary points. One would be that Jesus makes it very clear over and over again, it's not Jesus or money, it's Jesus and money. And these are not necessarily opposing forces. Second thing that we picked up through this passage and through some announcements that we're being invited into to talk about personal finances is that Our use of money tells a personal story, a story about our heart, our priorities, and of course, our worldview. I remember the exact time, I honestly do, I remember the exact time and place that my story with money began. It was the day, it's a true story, I remember it. It was the day that I was hired for my very first job, a paper route. I remember it clearly. I was 10 years old or so, and while, of course, I wasn't making the big bucks, it was the first time I was making some money. And I remember the day I was in my room, and like it was yesterday, this new idea that I was going to make money, and I was going to have money. I remember it. Oh, my young mind and my heart grabbed a hold of all the possibilities I would now have because of money. I have vague memories of tabulating my anticipated monthly earnings. And again, for a 10-year-old, it seemed like a lot. And wow, 
the opportunity. What was I going to do with my money? Independence. I was heading towards the good life. I was 10. Options to buy this or that as a 10-year-old, now perhaps not needing parental permission to have some stuff of my own. Well, fast forward. This same tape, I'm being honest, this same tape plays in my head almost every single day. And it certainly is highlighted on payday. Both Julie and I work and we receive pay and remuneration on the same days of the month. And as we receive, that same tape plays. Honestly, what will I do with my money? Now, we've learned a few things over the years that we are not just to be gatherers. We are to be givers. And so we begin the process of sorting out uh, properly and hopefully as a good steward ideas related to generosity, um, payment of bills, and the conversations around saving. All this responsible conversation and potentially a very well-balanced conversation about how to be a good steward that lives in Fort uh, in Langley in the year 2022. It's true what they say, money does make the world go around. And why would I say that? Because there's very few people on earth that have no money or possession. Therefore, we can appreciate why Jesus spent so much time talking more about money that is given to us on earth, even more than he talked about heaven. Why? I'm sure there are many reasons. One may include because money is on people's minds more than heaven. And so as we pick up the story in Luke chapter 12, we realize that Jesus is calling us not necessarily to choose Jesus or money or money and heaven, sorry, Jesus or money and money or heaven, He's really inviting us into a conversation about Jesus and money and money and heaven. And how does all this interplay, which is really when the big idea of this mini-series called Treasure Maps. To engage in a discussion, Jesus tells the story that was read earlier. The story of a master who is away at a wedding and his servants are taking care of business in his absence. Perhaps a very brief summary of the text that was read earlier. Here Jesus is setting a stage and leveraging an illustration to make it personal for us even today by describing what expectation the master has of how the servants will act as they anticipate their master's arrival from the wedding. What are the expectations of what they would be doing while their master's arrival is imminent? Well, can you see some parallels? Maybe you can. When you completely pull back the curtains on this passage, Jesus is using a parable to help you and I consider how things will play out on the actual day of the second coming of Jesus. Where, where do we find some of those immediate applications? Well, we look to what Jesus says in the parable and through the words of that text. And we would also move to a familiar perhaps, perhaps 
in Thessalonians chapter 4, it says this, according to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are all still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, dead in Christ will rise first. And after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. So it's important for you and I to consider who the servant is in this parable. Perhaps it's Christians. And of course, tending and aware of the intimate return of the master, Jesus Christ. Interesting that a few people before us who have come before us have wrestled with the imminent return of Christ and what that means to them. Titus described the return of Christ as this. He said, this is the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now let's talk honestly and authentically for just a few minutes. I want to I want to draw you into some of my experiences, even still today, with the thought of the intimate return of Jesus Christ. I want to be honest with you. Is the return or the imminent return of Jesus Christ what Titus calls a blessed hope? Let's be honest. Is the return of Jesus Christ a blessed hope? Or is it a bit more of a burden? And I'd like us honestly to consider that for a minute. Blessed hope. A real serious concern or burden. What, what, let's explore that just for a moment. I would be honest to say that I bounce between the two. And it all depends on circumstance. And it often depends on what's happening in front of me or how I'm processing life. Perhaps it becomes a burden because of timing. We push the conversation of Christ's return forward for another day, which is often our human tendency to move something ahead. We'll talk about it later. It's an important subject, but let's talk about it later because we're caught up with the important activities of the day. So we delay. Because we're caught up in the busyness of today, we delay and we move the conversation of the return of Christ, not as a blessed hope, but for something to be discussed later. Important and necessary, but later. Perhaps um, we think about the return of Christ as a burden because we have a lack of clarity about times and dates of Christ's return. Um, perhaps our experiences of trying to sort out, and the parable that we read alludes to a little bit of this, um, trying to sort out the date and time. Uh, is it really imminent? So if it's imminent, what would be the date and time of his return? And because it's very hard to clearly come to a conclusion and sort it out, and perhaps sometimes our experiences of those people that have sorted it out seems to be quite divisive and confusing. We, we, it just becomes a burden, this thought of the imminent return of Christ. Perhaps, again, let me just share authentically, perhaps the return of Christ uncovers five things that are difficult to reconcile. Number one, how can I be 100% certain 
that if Jesus was to return, then I'm going to go to heaven. I know who God says I am, yet I live with myself every day. And if I'm a candidate for heaven, wow, um, I'm not over the moon with that thorough examination of where I'm at today and where I'm headed. And so it creates a little bit of heart. It's, it's hard to reconcile a blessed hope or more of a burden. Secondly, we have the suspicion that Christ's return will reveal how inactive I am in getting converts and becomes very unreconciled. How, how busy and fruitful am I supposed to be in light of the return of Christ so it becomes a burden, not a blessed hope? Number three, perhaps it's unreconciled in our minds. How are we to our live properly with the awareness of a very familiar tension. It, it's exciting and yet it, it's unsettling all at the same time. How do I let excitement grow while I see that there will be those rewarded for um, proper decisions on earth and of course the serious consequence of it's not a blessed hope for everybody who is not in right standing with Jesus, it actually becomes a very serious burden for those who are not reconciled with Christ. So, so how do I reconcile the true realities of appreciating what actually will happen the day that Jesus Christ returns? Maybe another reason why it's hard to consider it is because it's so countercultural. It's important, but no one's talking about it. So how, how do I even drop the conversation because it seems to be a subject that's so avoided. And, and finally, how do I figure out how to be excited about a place I've never been, nor has anyone been that I know? This thought of the blessed hope of Christ's return leading us to heaven, it is so unfamiliar. How do we warm to a place we've never been? We are most naturally rooted and warm to the places we know. And certainly living in the lower mainland is a wonderful place to live and a wonderful place to be serving Jesus. So how do we reconcile this blessed hope as something that potentially, again, could be a blessing or is it a bit more of a burden? Hence, Jesus tells a bit of this parable about sorting out what is Jesus has on his mind to be something so good and motivating for us. We, we do so, friends, need to get this right. As we anticipate the return of the Lord, we need to get this right because we will never get this time of preparation back. I think this passage is not just a good starting place for a conversations. It's a good staying place as we prepare for the return of Jesus Christ. So Jesus shares three prophetic promises. He says, it will be good for those servants that are, three things, watching, ready, and who are doing. The first two talk about a relationship with Jesus, watchful and ready. And the other idea about doing talks about living responsibly with people. So let's quickly unpack this. Jesus says in verse 37, it will be good for those servants whose masters find them watching when he comes. It will be good. The blessed hope of something good. It will be good. This word watching means to have been aroused from a deep sleep, to be awakened, to be staying awake, to be staying involved. 
in present day life and realities. In this scenario, the master of the home is away, attending a wedding feast, and his servants do not know when he will return. So preparation for the master's return is not working hard to find a specific time of the return. Preparation is simply always just being ready, always watching for the imminent return. We love having people in our home. And a long time ago, we decided as best we can just to be always ready for people to come by. We don't um, clean the house or stock the fridge for an event to happen. No, we're just always trying to be ready for the receiving of the stranger or people that we know. The house is clean enough. The snacks are in the freezer. We're just ready. We're watching and ready and available. So when the master returns, it would be good for those that are watching for this return. Friends, COVID has had us watching all kinds of things. This global pandemic has had us watching the news, watching our politicians, watching family members or neighbors, watching the stock markets and the housing markets, and watching inflation, watching the public health, or now we're watching the war overseas. Now we're watching gas prices and interest rates rise. Wow, we're watching even ourselves. Jesus tells us these are all important matters at hand. To be living well to means aware of the days and the hours that we're living. But Jesus says the big watch is to be watching for the imminent return of Jesus Christ. Verse 37 says, describing the situation that when for those that are watching, the master when he returns will come and serve the servant, which is so countercultural in the day Jesus comes to bless because it's so good when people are watching for the imminent return of Jesus Christ. It will be good for you, Christian, when the Lord Jesus Christ returns. It'll be good for you. And Jesus points us in that good direction. I used to work closely with someone that when he traveled, he'd often bring me back a gift from another land. And friends, when Jesus Christ returns, for those that are watching, verse 37 says, Jesus comes with his gifts to bless us. That's going to be so good. Let that warm your heart. Secondly, Jesus says it will be good for those servants whose masters find them ready. What does it mean to be ready? Well, it means to be in a good standing with the master when he comes. To be in a good, responsible relationship of someone who is looking to that master, looking to that savior as the only Lord and savior, saved, a child of God, raising a hand as numbered with the saints, part of the household of God, and on a good journey towards a good eternity, filled with the Holy Spirit, allowing for the good work of the Holy Spirit to change things within and to change things with our human acts, external interactions. Yes, we were born into this world, but Jesus calls us to a place of being born again into a different kingdom. And so those people that are ready for the imminent return of Christ are ready because of their position and the relationship with Jesus. It's going to be so good for the children of God when Christ returns. Dressed and ready to go with our lamps burning. And thirdly, Jesus says it'll be good for those servants that whom the master finds doing so when he returns. Doing. 
We are about watching, we're about being ready. And then Jesus calls in this parable us to responsible relationships with others, to be doing the work that Jesus has in his mind for us to do. This will be the work that will be recognized and rewarded. So what have you been doing lately? What have you been doing? What are we watching for? Are we ready? And what have we been doing in light of the return of Jesus Christ? So in summary, verses 35 to 44, Jesus is saying, the return of the Lord's a good thing. Allow it to be a good thing. Allow it to be the hope for the believer because it's such a good thing. In the final verses of this chapter, Jesus in verses 45 to 48 talks about how we so need to get this right. Not living responsibly in light of the return of the master, in light of the return of Jesus Christ, has three very, very significant results. Number one, you read it in the story, people don't get the practical help they need. Secondly, it leads potentially to destructive habits and patterns because of disobedient uh, lifestyles. And thirdly, it leads to a permanent eternal judgment. Wow, so serious. Jesus talks about judgment for disobedience in two ways. He talks about willful disobedience. The harsher judgment lies within, with, the, with the one who knew more and who knew more but didn't do much with it. And then there's the inadvertent disobedience, the judgment upon the one who, who just simply didn't know. So as we finish this four-week Trevor Map series, we, we leave this passage in such a good place. We're ending at a place focused on Jesus. While we're on earth, focused on Jesus. And nodding, ignoring the things that are most central to living responsibly on earth as we anticipate the imminent return of the Master, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In summary, perhaps, we hear that life is all about stewardship, using all that we have in a way to love God and his people answering questions that come up at a very, at a very early age about um, that, that, that arise when someone gets a paper route. Whose money is that really? How do we sort out relationships with friends when we're encountering the needs of a stranger, when we're becoming aware of needs that are around the world and we're called to be acting responsibly because, friends, really, we have been given so much and with so much comes so much expectation and responsibility. And of course, ultimately, uh, growing daily and learning more as we love and live for Jesus Christ. And of course, watching and being ready for the imminent return of Jesus. So in closing, let me, let me just remind you, the return of the Lord is a good thing. It's meant to be a blessed hope. It's a good thing. For those that are watching, it's a good thing for those that are ready, and it's a good thing for those that are found doing what the master has on his mind for his servants.